Praise God. Well, I'm excited about what God has for us tonight. How many see yourself as a leader? Everyone in this room should be lifting your hand. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we think, well, I'm just, I don't have those characteristics in my life. I'm just not a loud, boisterous, you know, voice. I don't have that kind of thing where people follow. I don't like that whole saying, if people aren't following you, then you're just taking a walk. I don't like that because I don't agree with that. I think there's a lot of leadership qualities in folks that, um, my husband didn't come up with that, by the way. I'm not coming against him. <laughs> Somebody else did. But I, I, I like this saying, leaders are born and leaders are made. You know, if, if we can't see ourselves as a leader or see the potential of leadership in ourselves, then, then we might as well just, there's, there's, you know, we would see ourselves as, well, maybe the fruit of the Spirit's not completely developed in my life, so I'll just give up because I wasn't born with it. You know, I wasn't born with those traits. I wasn't born with that personality or whatever, you know. And some of these, um, these tests that you can take that kind of identify what kind of personality you are, some of it is great because you can find out what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. But as long as you stay on the good side of it and realize that there's some things that you know, can be developed. I mean, none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. We're striving towards those things. But, you know, somebody asked me last week when we were at the prayer summit, are you an eight? And I said, what's an eight? I said, no, I'm a 10. No, I was teasing. <laughs> I was teasing. Was, she's a young girl. She goes, well, I'm an eight. And I said, does that mean a boss? <laughs> she said, yes, probably. She said, well, you should find out. You're either a seven or an eight. It's a, what is it called? Enneagram or what? Anagram. So everybody's going to go home and look it up and do your little test. So you're supposed to answer, you know, you're supposed to answer the first thing that comes to your mind, not don't overthink it. And all you people that are overthinkers, I don't know what number that is, but you're not supposed to be thinking about it. You're just supposed to answer like that. And then it's like a hundred questions and it tells you what you are. But you know what? My identification does not come from a test that I've gotten off the internet. <laughs> My identification comes from what the word of God says about me. And, you know, Pastor Steve and I were talking about this a little bit the other night, how the world, we live in a fallen world. And I don't, I don't think we have a reality on how fallen it is and how much fallenness is happening all around us. And, you know, I hate to keep reflecting back, but when you've come face to face with death, it makes you realize how important the spirit man is. And what's that scripture we were talking about, Pastor Steve, about how um, oh, what is it? The older you get, your the spirit man becomes uh, more and more alive. You, Mom, you probably know it. You know which one I'm talking about. Uh, the the body might be deteriorating, but the spirit man becomes more and more alive, more and more strength because you continue to feed it. And I like one of the quotes that Pastor Steve said a while back. He said. Um, if you're not being transformed by the word, you're being deformed by the world. And if you think about that on a day-to-day -day basis, if I'm not being transformed by the word of God, then today, if I did not get in the word, then something has gone the other direction. You get what I mean? And it's not to bring condemnation. It's just to remind us how much we need the word of God and we need transformation in our minds. Amen? Because we do live in this world that is fallen because of Adam and Eve.
But thank God we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind on a day-to-day basis. And it brings life. It brings liberty. It brings healing to this physical body. And, you know, we were talking about how quickly, you know, your body deteriorates, your physical tent deteriorates just like that as soon as the spirit man goes to heaven. It's not very, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't take very much time before things just start to kind of go the other way. And I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, ugly about it. It's just the way it is. And so we realize then when you separate the spirit man from the body, from the physical man, the importance of how much we are feeding the spirit man. And if you're not feeding that spirit man, then something else is feeding it and it's grow. Whatever you feed it is what's going to continue to grow in it. And so whatever you're magnifying in your mind is going to feed your flesh. And so it's so important that we're feeding on the word of God. Amen? So I want to talk to you about leadership tonight. And I think it's real. I thought, Lord, how can, I, how can this be helpful to us? Because I don't ever want to feed anything that is not helpful for us or help us to grow. I don't want to just give you a bunch of information. I don't want to just impart something that's something that I've been thinking about. I want it to be something that brings life to you. And this helped me today because I've been feeling kind of, how many go through those moments where you just kind of feel and I'm thinking the world is weighing on me too much. And I need to get, you know, the word talks about that there's a watering when you get into the word of God. That the word waters and brings um, freshness to your soul, to your spirit, man. And so I want to talk about leadership. And I'm going to try to zip through this as quickly as I possibly can. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. And that's something I really appreciate about Pastor Steve. I've known him for a long time, and this is who he is through and through. He knows the way, he goes the way, and he will show you the way if you'll go with him. Amen? Don't you know that about him? Okay, so what is the biblical definition of a leader? And you know what? These are not my quotes. These are things that I've studied out, so don't say Pastor Kim Behrman said this on social media or whatever. (laughs) I know I love all that, but this isn't my original quote, so I want you all to, to know that up front, but what is the biblical definition of a leader? A lead, leadership is the act of influencing or serving others out of Christ's interest in their lives so they can accomplish God's purpose for and through them. That is our purpose for being here, is so that we can feed the sheep, we can feed and guide, we can lead, we can help you fulfill your purpose and what God has called you to do. Bottom line. Okay, so what was, and who was the best leadership of, leader of all was Jesus, right? What was Jesus' leadership? His leadership emphasized the importance of being discerning with regard to others. I love that first statement, discerning in regards to others. So the first thing we need to know about being a leader is we need to have discernment. We're not, I love that scripture where it says, judge no man after the flesh, or no man, know no man after the flesh. So easy for us to have somebody walk in the door and see maybe how they're dressed or how they smell or how they act or how they talk. And we decided we've made an assessment of them based on what we see, feel, or hear. And that's not how we're supposed to be moved, right? Amen. So, you know, there should be discernment in our hearts and our spirits towards people when they come in. And that's one thing that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't take any credit. I feel like the Holy Spirit has given this as pastors. But when I see people, you know, we're talking to Emma about our members, our new members that just joined last week. We had three new members. 
And I see the leadership in these people already. I don't know them very well, but I already know there's some great things on the inside of them. And I'm excited to get them hooked up and get their supply bringing in into our body. And that's the way we should all be, is seeing each other as leaders. Always, like I talked about Sunday, believing the best in others. Seeing each other through the eyes of Jesus. Okay, and having discernment. So Jesus had discernment with regard to others without seeking to control them. He was not trying to control people. He cared about the freedom of his followers to choose. Even he, in those moments that mattered so much, had to choose voluntarily to go through Gethsemane and to hang on the cross at Calvary. It was his choice. God gave him the, the, the directive, and he said, what did he say that night before when he prayed? He said, not my will, but yours. He said, let this cup pass for me. And then he said, not my will, but yours, Lord. And so that's what good leadership is, is we're not trying to control or make people do things, but we're leading them to the way so that they can choose the right way. Amen? All right. And I've been, you know, we've talked about it. We've all been under that that yucky controlling spirit, and it's it's not good. It's It's performance-based. It's all based on how things look. And it's not grace-based. And we're grace-based leadership. We're, we're under the grace of God. Amen? Praise God. Okay, so what does the Bible say about being leaders? Leaders set direction and help themselves and others do the right thing to move forward. The right thing. To do this, they create an inspiring vision, then motivate and inspire others to achieve it. They also manage delivery of the vision, either directly or indirectly, and build and coach their teams to make them even stronger. So kind of what this says to me is, it's not about me. I'm here for you. So when we walk in the door, and I think that and I'm preaching to the choir here tonight. This is the core. This is part of our core here. So I, this is a good group to teach this to and to talk to about this. But we are here. When we walk in that door, we have a smile on our face. We're here to encourage, and I'm not coming against anybody because I think everyone here does this already. I'm just here to say, yay, good job, we're doing it. But let's continue to do this. Let's continue to walk in that door ready to spread the love of Jesus, to express his heart to others, to let go of whatever we're going through at that door, leave it behind in the car, uh, and deal with it, you know, another time. But Because if we're so consumed with ourselves and what we're going through and everything else that's going on in our life, when we get in here, we're going to miss an opportunity to be able to lead somebody. You know, and when I say lead, I'm not saying getting up here and speaking or getting up here and prophesying or getting up here and, or, you know, whatever. I'm saying standing in this, this, standing at this chair right now and lifting my hands and worshiping God. That's how I'm leading. I'm leading people with ever, whatever I'm doing, my smile, my worship, my words, my encouragement, everything I'm doing is leading. Even how I dress, and I know y'all, you might think it's, it's, a, it's not a big deal, but it is. They say, what was it? Luke was telling us, because, you know, he's in a, a profession where he wears a suit and a tie all the time. What was it he said about that? Yeah, people only comment on your dress when you dress up. Now, I'm not saying wear a suit and tie, but I'm just saying we represent Christ and everything. If our bathrooms need to be clean and be excellent, then we need to be dressed excellent. Amen? We don't need to stink. You know, this is just menial stuff. We don't need to have bad breath. We don't need to have all those things that, you know, we need to represent Christ well. Amen? That was not in my notes. I just felt like I threw that out there. Okay. Somebody need to hear it. <laughs> I don't know. So which are the two strong pillars of spiritual leadership? Uh, there are two pillars that support the attributes of great leadership, humility and endurance. Humility and endurance. And I've always said, you know, 
if I'm going to follow a pastor who's leading me, I want to follow somebody, number one, who's a worshiper. Because I've seen pastors come in after worship is done out of their little room and are ready to do their sermon and speak to you. And I want to know what they've been doing beforehand. Have they been worshiping? Where are they at? And I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I'm just saying, why can't you worship with us? <laughs> I want to see a pastor or a leader who's worshiping. And I also want to follow a, a pastor who's been through some things, who walks with a limp. Because if you have not walked with a limp, if you are not walking with a limp, if you have never been through anything, then you can't stand in front of me and tell me how to do things. Uh, I, you know, and I don't mean this wrong, but, you know, when you, when you have children, it changes the level of your understanding of some things. And when you have children that have gone through some things, it changes the level of some things. When you have children or, or family that have gone through physical ailments, it changes the level. If you, if you have a family around you that have gone through divorce, separation, all, it changes the level of your compassion for people. If you've gone through some financial problems, it changes the level of your compassion for people. If you walk in here and strutting and telling me you've done all kinds of things and you haven't been through anything and you're not walking with a limp and you haven't been able to find God in the midst of your storm, don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I want, I want somebody who's been through some things and knows how faithful God is and knows how to get to the heart of God and the feet of Jesus when you are hurting on the inside and when you feel like you can't face another day because you are hurting and you've been through some stuff. And so I think that's what we are called to be as leaders is to lead with compassion, lead with humility, and lead with endurance. The one thing I, you know, again, I'm not trying to praise my husband, but one of the things I love about him is that, you know, he is faithful to the end. He will never give up on you. And that's one of the things we've said in our, our membership classes. I will never give up on you. I will never turn my back on you. You'll probably turn your back on me before I would turn my back on you. Because we just won't, we won't let up. We're, we're here for people. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to really quickly give you seven core qualities of a Christian leader. This is a quote from D.L. Moody. For the Christian leader, character is described as worth more than anything else in this wide world. It is the moral and ethical foundation for the kind of success that honors God. Character. We need character. This world is lacking greatly in character right now. And we get that from the presence of God. The God-honoring leader seeks and maintains an ongoing intimate relationship with God and lives out, out of an overflowing relationship with him. That's us. Amen? From that relationship, the fruit of the Spirit is manifest, and His character becomes extraordinary. We are extraordinary people because we have God's character flowing out of us. Can you say that? Say, I have extraordinary character. Okay, so number one, the God-honoring Christian leader is characterized by love. So when you think about a, a leader, the word love isn't really the first thing that pops in your mind, right? Because we think love is ooey-gooey and ooshy-gooshy and... Oh, they're so loving and, and, you know. But you know what? what? Love is, love is a choice. It's not just a feeling. And, uh, you know, when, when you are leading people, you have to lead people in love. Faith works by love. We can't please God without faith. And so the only way we can do this thing is by love. Amen? And I talked about a little bit on Sunday about the importance of love, how we, we've got to think the best of others. We've got to believe the best. We can't hold on to a suffered wrong we don't revel when others grovel. We don't look backwards, we're always looking forward. We always trust God to the end. Amen. In the scripture, the word love is not only feeling based, but it is a deliberate decision 
Jesus' great commandment is to love God and to love people. Mark 12, 30, you shall love the Lord your God out of and with your whole heart and out of and with all your soul, your life, and out of and with all your mind, with your faculty of thought, your moral understanding, and out of and with all your strength. This is the first and principal commandment. The second is like this, like it, and is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Amen? And I have a little note there, but I don't don't think I'm going to go to it. The word wealth about the mind. Oh, maybe I will. No, I won't. Okay, we're going to look at time. No, I'm not going to. Number two is, uh, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) a good leader is humble. 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank, be subject to the elders, the ministers, and spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Man, that's a huge problem in today's society. <laughs> the young people don't want to listen to the older people. They don't think we know anything, but that's not true. Cl- clothe or apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance towards one another. For God sets himself against the proud, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful, and he opposes and frustrates. He frustrates and defeats them, but he gives grace and favor to the humble. You guys know this, uh, this verse. He gives grace to the humble. Humility flows out of proper perspective and a grateful heart. A humble Christian leader surrenders to God, giving Christ his rightful place as Lord. You are not Lord in your life. Jesus is Lord in your life, over your life. He or she understands that not everything depends on them and that everything is possible with God. They're grateful to God for who God is, for a costly salvation, for the gifts, talents, business opportunities, significant purpose God has provided. Secure in your identity in Christ and humbly aware of your strengths. They willingly admit their weaknesses and mistakes. They invite others' opinions and give credit and recognition free. So this is a part of, of being humble is, you know, encouraging others, not always thinking that you're the one that has the right perspective. Nobody else knows anything else but you because you have an, you've had an epiphany. And, you know, all of us have had our epiphanies and all of us have had our perspective, perspectives and all of us have an understanding of things. But the word of God says that we're not to lean on our own understanding. And, and I think in a way that we acknowledge him, the word says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, how we acknowledge him is we can acknowledge him in and through other people. When somebody else has an opinion that might differ from mine, and I give way to that, it doesn't mean that I have to receive it or believe it, but at least I'm listening. I have a listening ear. If I'm not listening to other people, if I'm not open to hearing, and I'm not talking about sitting with the ungodly. You know, we don't do that. We don't sit in, in the council of the ungodly. But, but I'm just talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're coming together. We're talking about things, talking amongst ourselves. And um, if we're not open to hearing what other people say, we want to just give our opinion then that, is that truly a humble heart? Is that truly being humble before people? Or is it just basically saying what I, what I think and what I feel, what I see about things? I think it's important that we have good listening ears. Amen? Okay. Uh, number three, a leader is obedient. James 1, 23 through 25 says, For if anyone 
For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he is like a man who looks carefully at his natural face in a mirror. But he who looks carefully into the faultless law, the law of liberty, and is, and is faithful to it and preserves, perseveres, sorry, in looking into it, being not a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing, in his life of obedience. So this is talking about doing the word of God. You guys know this. That's the Amplified. Did I read the Amplified? Yeah. Um, but it's important that we are being a doer of the word. And that's part of being obedient is, is doing the word. We can hear, 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 and walk out of here and never do anything that we're hearing. And when we don't do what we're hearing, then it's the scriptures talking about like you're looking at your face in a mirror and you walk away and you forget everything. If we're not doing the word, we're going to forget everything that we're receiving. You know, we, it's important that we're taking notes. It's important that we're going back over our notes. Um, you know, it, it's partly why we've encouraged people because when we take notes and then we go back over them, that's part of doing the word. When we walk out of here, what did Pastor Steve talk on last week? Uh, well, maybe that's significant of how much we're really doing what we're hearing. And I'm, I know I'm stepping on some toes here, but it's important that we do this. This is how valuable is this word to us? How valuable is what is coming from our, our pastor on Sunday and Wednesday? How valuable is that? It, do we really see it as it's going to change our life? Do we really see that it's something that we need to hang on to and chew on and meditate on? The Word says if you'll meditate on the Word day and night, you'll be like a tree. You'll, you'll flourish and you'll prosper in your season. If we're not prospering, if we don't see some things changing, then maybe we need to be chewing on the Word a little more. We need to be doers of the Word a little more. Amen? All right, so I'm going to skip the Passion Translation. Uh, moving on, the obedient Christian leader lives for an audience of one and seeks to be a wise and faithful steward, a doer of the word. He applies God's principles to everyday business decisions. He realizes the importance of pursuing holiness and practicing self-discipline, doing the right thing, whether or not he feels like it. Leaders must lead themselves first through discipline, then they can focus on leading others. Uh, many get this out of order, and weak character sabotages their success. Uh, number four. A good leader or a Christian leader has integrity. Psalm 101.2, this is the amplified version. It says, I will behave myself wisely and give heed to the blameless way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house in integrity and with a blameless heart. So I, the reason why the scripture is referring to walking in your house with integrity is because that's when no one is seeing you. When you're in your own home, are you walking in integrity? What are you listening to? What are you talking about? Who are you talking about? What's going in your ear gates? What's coming out of your mouth gate? What's, you know, all these areas. That's where the integrity lies. And that's important for us. Um, the scripture talks about that, you know, we can't be a good leader if we don't have integrity in our lives. Amen. Uh, many oversimplify integrity and miss the extreme importance of this quality for the Christian leader. Integrity is multidimensional. The Christian leader achieves real integrity only when he's completely aligned with the will of God, courageously exercises self-discipline, and is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can't do this without the enabling of the Holy Ghost. We can't do anything without the enabling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You know, just to hear him, just, you know, to hear his voice on a day-to-day -day basis. I long to hear him. I long to be led by him. I long to know him more. You know, we've talked about it, Philippians 3.10. That's my favorite scripture. 
you know, uh, my determined purpose is to know him and to know the power of his resurrection. Well, how am I, what am I determined to do? What are you determined to do in your life? If you're determined to do something, you're going to do it. You're going to make a way for something. When you really want to do it, you're going to do it. So do we really want to know him more? Do we really want to know his voice? Do we really want to pursue his will in our life? If we do, we will do it. I really want to be able to get up and have a shower peacefully in the mornings without a child calling out my, you know what I'm saying? There's some things I'm determined to do, and I have to set some time aside and make sure that I do it because it's important to me. We do what's important to us. Amen? And so it's important that we walk in integrity in this way, that we are feeding on his word. Number five, a good leader is honest, 2 Corinthians 8, 21. For we take thought beforehand and aim to be honest and absolutely above suspicion, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. Honesty is a subtrait of integrity. It's so critical for a Christian leader that it deserves to be highlighted. Automobile pioneer John, John Dodge once commanded, uh, commended, commented, there is no twilight zone of honesty. A thing is either right or wrong. It's black or white. Today, we hide our dishonesty behind such euphemisms as gray areas, half-truths, or little white lies. And there's so much more in today, but we don't need to get into that. So honesty begins with ourselves. We need to be honest with ourselves. I need to, you know, today I was like, am I being honest with myself? Am I really in the word enough right now? Because if God's calling us to a higher place, then there's a higher draw to to, there's a, a deeper and higher demand on my life to go somewhere else. I can't keep doing the same thing and expect to go to a higher place. You know, I know advertising, but people are being called to fasting right now because they are feeling this urgency to want to hear his voice more, to, to be able to be in a deeper place with him. And if we really want more from him, if we really want to experience a revival, then why don't we give more time to him? A lot of people are waiting they're in that waiting place. All oh, the places you'll go. <laughs> You're in that waiting place, just waiting on, you know, a better break or, you know, that whole story, Dr. Seuss. All oh, the places you'll go. Um, I don't know if you read that to your kids. That was one of my favorites. Hayden probably knows it by heart. But it talks about all oh, the places you'll go, and it says that people are waiting for a better break or a pot to boil or a pair of pants or, you know, a string of pearls or whatever. You're just waiting, just in that waiting place. Um, but then it goes on to say, but not you. You are not going to be like that. You're going to go for it. You're going to do what you've been, you know, uh, um, given talent to do, you know. And that, I keep, every time I read that story, I thought, that, that's what a Christian is supposed to be. We're not just waiting. We're moving towards, what can we do to move, not out of, not out of works and not out of being uh, legalistic, but we're moving towards him to know him more. We're moving in the word of God to hear more, to get more revelation, to understand more. It's never ending. I don't think we'll ever come to a complete ending, even when we're in, in eternity. But if we really want it, it's there for us to have. It's just how bad do you want it? If I really want a chocolate cake, I could make one. I just don't really want one right now. But I have the supplies in my pantry. I could do it every day if I wanted to for probably a week but I don't really want one. The thought comes here and there, and I think, oh, it would be nice to have something, you know. 
but I don't really want it if I'm not getting up off the couch and going and making it happen. We don't really want to know him if we're not getting up early, if we're not staying up late, if we're not opening the word of God more than we're opening the TV, flinging those remote controls and listening to news and and talking on the phone or watching social media, whatever it is that's occupying our time, we really want to know him will do it. Good leadership, number six, is faithful. Matthew 25, 23, his master said to him, well done, you upright, honorable, admirable, and faithful servant. You've been faithful and trustworthy. Notice those two words go together, faithful and trustworthy over a little. I will put you in charge of much. Enter in and share the joy, the delight, the blessedness which your master enjoys. There are two main components of faithfulness, living by faith and being trustworthy. People that are, tr- are, are um, faithful are usually trustworthy. It goes both ways. Living by faith means seeking and trusting God, pursuing the mission he's, gi- he's given us with courage, taking risk, and persevering in hope through difficult times. It's resting on his character, relying on his promises, and doing things his way, not ours. The faithful Christian leader also seeks to be a person God can trust. Are you a person that God can trust? Can he trust you with what he's given you? Can he trust you to pursue the call, to pursue his will, or are you pursuing your own? Can he trust you with, your, with the time that he's given you? The, the most important gift that we have right now is time. And it's really no longer our friend. You know, they say time is your friend, whatever. It's no longer our friend because time is running out. So every day that time runs past us and we're not pursuing him, then we're not being faithful to what he's been given us. And we're an unfaithful servant. And that, that really hits my heart. You know, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying, God, I'm, I'm judging myself here. I'm saying, Lord, am I doing everything I need to be doing with what you've been given to me, what you've given to me? You know, and it's not just within this little circle. It's not just within what is God Maybe there's somebody you need to reach out to in the morning you get up and the Holy Spirit out of your personal time says, send a scripture to so-and-so. Reach out to so-and-so. They need an encouraging word. Call somebody. Buy somebody's meal. Do, you know, so I've been really trying to listen more with what he's has for us. You know, we've got some people that used to be a part of our church. I don't know if they're even going anywhere right now, but they're going through a lot of things right now physically. I think he had part of his leg amputated today. And I reached out to her. I said, can we give you some meals? I haven't seen her in years. And I felt the Lord said, I'm not saying hooray me. I'm just giving you an example. I felt like I needed to reach out to this person. They're going through a horrible detrimental time. This man has gone through so much much but this man used to come up at our door at worship life and pray for us I think it was weekly I don't remember but he would come maybe daily come up in the mornings and just outside the door and sit there and pray for us that we would have an increase in our church and I thought God he's planted seed into us we need to we need to do something for these people we've helped them we've 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 helped them with their kids I've we've done a lot of prayer she's had a lot of Things happen with her kids, and and she'll text me, and we prayed a lot for these people. But, you know, 
Who in your life needs to hear from you? Who in your life do you need to reach out with the anointing that's on the inside? Because we are carriers of the glory. We're carriers of his anointing. And so who do we need to give a piece of this to today or tomorrow? Who can we be? Because that's the key here is if we can be pulling up from that river that's on the inside to give it to somebody else, then tomorrow that river's not reversing and going the other way and I'm just not meditating on my problems. See, if we're not giving out, it's going to go the other way, and then we're just going to feel yuck. Because a river, if it's not had, if it doesn't have an outflow, it gets stopped up, and it creates, you guys know, it creates that yuck mess. What? E. coli. You got some E. coli going on on the inside. <laughs> you got to pump, pump it up and, and give out from that place. Amen. And it doesn't take much. It really doesn't. Okay. So the faithful Christian also seeks to be a, a person God can trust, recognizing that God leads the way and he entrusted all to his followers. Every Christian leader realizes he'll answer to God for everything. Work, relationships, lifestyle, actions, words, time. You'll be accountable for your time. And more and looks forward with hope and joy to the day he'll stand before the Lord and the Lord will say, well done, you're Oh, good and faithful servant. Number seven, the God-honoring Christian leader is a servant, servant to all. Luke twenty-two twenty-six. 26, this is passion. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. In other words, you, you will not receive. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant's heart. So, and Jesus was a perfect model of that. He Jesus was a model servant to the Father, and we're similarly called. Second uh, Corinthians 5.15, it talks about how he died, he was raised, he gave up his life. Being a servant leader requires being humble and secure in your identity, and that's the biggest issue is the identity crisis. So if we can just become secure in who we are and, and know what God says. Who are you? What does God say about you? What does God say you can have? And um, what's on the inside of you to give out? Being humble and secure in your identity and caring for those we serve. If we seek the approval of men over the approval of God, we'll cling to position, power, and authority for ego's sake. If we seek the approval of men over the approval of God, we will cling to position, power, and authority because of an ego. Part of servant leadership is striving to serve with excellence. It's seeking to deliver value and be a blessing to every in every interaction. So, uh, really quickly, I know we're really close to our time. Oh, good, I have some time. So I, I've kind of sped through that because I want to make sure I get through all this. But what is leadership? I have some things here. It says what leadership is and what leadership isn't. So I don't want to bring any condemnation to anybody, but just think about these things when I read them and just ask yourself, am I doing this? Am I leading well? And if not, maybe the Holy Spirit can help us make some adjustments. So what leadership is, it sets a godly example. What leadership isn't sets a poor, ungodly example. And you might think, well, I set a good godly example. Well, maybe you need to ask the Holy Spirit, am I setting a good godly example? We need to check ourselves. We need to be in check all the time. We need to have attitude checks. I've talked about this before. When I was a kid in, in youth group, we used to have people, monitors that would say, attitude check, anytime anybody had a bad attitude. Instead of saying, you got a bad attitude, they just kind of pop, attitude check, and, and it helped you kind of be aware your attitude was out of line, and you need to get it back. A good leader, or what a leader is, leadership is, a team player. 
What it isn't is always thinking about, what about me? What about me? What about me? That's not a leader. Leadership is open to necessary changes for betterment of the team. Leadership is not being unwilling to change or see the need to consider others in the, in the picture, being self-focused. That is not leadership. Leadership sees the potential in others, not leadership sees what's wrong with everyone. I'm, 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 I'm asking that we not be like that when people come into this room, that we are not judgmental of others, that we are not looking at what's wrong with somebody or are thinking poorly of someone, let's be lovers. Let's, let's express the love of God, amen? I don't want anyone to ever come in here and feel like they can't be themselves and that we're judging them or whatever. No, that's not happened. I'm just expressing my heart. We're good. We're, I'm teaching. Uh, this is, that's the other church, but here we're good. <laughs> amen? Okay, so leadership is... Uh, sees the potential in others. I said that. Sees what in the other is, sees what's wrong. Picking people up. That's what leaders do. Le- non-leadership is putting people down. Leadership is being focused. No leadership is being aimless. You're just kind of flailing around, flying with the wind wherever it goes. Leadership is knows when to talk and when to listen. Uh, the lack of leadership knows it all, and is unwilling to listen. Leadership gets things done and equips others while doing it. The lack of leadership is, I'll just do it myself. I'm going to do it all. Leadership is pursues excellence, and lack of leadership is doing enough just to get by. That's not, that's not good leadership. Uh, leadership is learning from others. The lack of is already knows and has their own perceptions about everything. Um, leadership is accepts responsibility. The lack of, it blames everybody else for why things aren't done. Leadership is being self-motivated. What, what needs to be done? Let me see. I can do this. The lack of is lethargic and unmotivated. Leadership is excited about the future. The lack of leadership dreads and despairs over the future. Leadership gives correction for direction. The lack of leadership rebukes to control or manipulate. Leadership gives what can I do for is what can I do for you? Lack of leadership is what can you do for me? <laughs> leadership is speaking positive words about plans, direction, and people. Lack of leadership speaks negative words about everything. So I just wanted to give a little PS on the, on the correction part there because I know this can be uh, a problem for some folks. But what does correction mean in the Bible? And I liked this, this meaning that I found. It says correction is the act of bringing back from error or, or deviation to a just standard as to truth. So it's not like you're coming against anybody. You're just bringing them back from error to the place of truth. Because sometimes we get off. We get diverted. And that's why Pastor Steve and I are here is to help keep us on the straight and narrow. And that's why we need prayers. And, and that's why we submit ourselves to leadership. Because we have to continue to help one another stay on that straight and narrow. And I, I like one of the things, you know, we were talking to, I think it was Scott and Sue about this, that um, that the way 
our way as Christian believers and leaders is very narrow. And it should be, and we need to recognize how narrow it is. And we were talking about how the church in general has made the way wide. We have equipped and enabled for it to be wider and wider. And folks are falling off the sides. They're, they're not in the game. They, they're relaxed on the sidelines because they don't think they need to be a team player. They can do what they want to do, live how they want to live, be unattached to the body of Christ, and get up by with it. But the way is narrow. That's what the Word of God says. I didn't say it. The Word of God says it. And so we need to ask the Holy Spirit, what does that mean in my life? Where do I need to narrow up? Where do I need to bring in the sidelines? Because maybe I've enabled my life to be a little bit too wide in some areas. And so I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, where do I need to be separated and consecrated unto you? What are the areas in my life that need to be cut off? You know, I, I know Emma has been um, making some cutting off of some things in her life. She's been getting rid of some goats because she knows that, you know, God has been calling her to a new season in her life. A lot of times, most of the time, all of the time, <laughs> when you are in a new season, there will be some circumcision of the flesh. There will be some cutting away of some things that are very dear to your heart. And it's very hard, and it's very, it can be very emotional. Um, but God will enable you, and he will equip you to do it, and he'll give you the strength to do it if you'll look to him for it. If you're just kicking and screaming and saying, I don't like this season. I don't like where you brought me to. I don't like where I am right now. I don't see it, and I'm, all, I'm just going to reach backward for what I have before and you are good here, and I liked my life here, and I don't like this new season, then you're not allowing that circumcision to take place. And he can't do what he needs to do in and through you until you cut away those things and make your way narrow. He's making the way narrow for us because we're coming to a close in this race. And we have got to listen to his voice, and we've got to obey his heart, and we've got to follow his will for our lives Amen, so that we can stand before him and he says, you did what I asked you to do with what I gave you to do. Each one of us have been given something. And we will stand accountable individually for what, he's been, what he has given us to do. And it might just be, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It might just be obedient to pray. It could just be a life of prayer. It could just be a life of study to impart to others, maybe the older women imparting to the younger women. Maybe it's just being an example to your spouse. Maybe it's just leading your children. Maybe it's just, you know, I don't know, maybe it's being a leader in your church, stepping up in a way that God's called you to step up into. But he will enable you. He will anoint you to do it if you will surrender your will, surrender the stuff that you've been walking wide into. Amen? So, I like that, the correction. It's not a negative. We th always think correction is negative. But all it is is just bringing back to that just standard of truth. You just kind of deviate to the left or the right a little bit too much. And we have to get 
to that middle ground to the truth. When Pastor Steve, it reminds me of when he uh, went and, and um, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. He had done it before, and he did it again with a bunch of people, and they were a whole lot of people that were going really slow. And because they were going so slow, it drove him crazy. And so he, instead of walking straight up the narrow path, he, he walked like this. I think I told you all this before, but he had to go the wide way because the narrow way was too boring. It was too um, strict, or not strict, but it was too, it was too boring, right? You, very boring. <laughs> but this makes my point. The narrow way might seem boring, but the wide way is going to cost you a whole lot more steps and a whole lot more energy and might be devastating in the end because he eventually had to get to the narrow way to get to the top. He couldn't do it his way. He had to succumb to the narrow way to get to the top. And so we have to come to that place where we're walking the straight and the narrow to get to where God wants to take us. And 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is profitable. This was our scripture today uh, for Braden. We were talking about the Bible uh, in his Bible study. And I said, what do these words mean to you? Scripture is profitable. He said, it means it benefits me. It's good. It's a good thing. It's for correction. I said, what does that mean to you? Well, it just tells me what I need to do. It makes things right. I like that. It makes things right. Instruction. We all need instruction. In righteousness, I explained to him what righteousness means. Righteousness is right standing with God. Why? Because God wants us to be, he wants us to be thoroughly finished in all good works. He wants that for us. And so the way that we find that is in the word of God, the washing of the word, seeking his face, praying in the Holy Ghost, being in his presence on a day-to-day -day basis and pursuing what he has. I'm speaking to leaders in this room tonight. I'm speaking to your heart tonight to rise up and be the leader that God's called you to be. Obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let go of the stuff that doesn't need to be in your life because time is short and we don't have time to waste. What are we wasting our time on? Narrow up your way and let's follow after the way of the Spirit, the way he wants to take us. Amen. So we can lead others to Christ. Amen. If we're just so dabbling in so many things and are oh, so preoccupied with many, many things in our mind, then, you know, how can we lead? We're not good leaders that way. And I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my energy. I don't want to waste, you know, again, Mom Beerman, one of the great things about, you know, her life was she finished her race, but she finished it well. And because of of the people that were there and the significance of her life and how she led. Um, it was a testimony in the end of, to so many people. And uh, I, I, you know, every one of us can do that. That's not just for Mom Beerman. That's not just for the Beermans. It's for all of us. And we can do that and be a constant reminder of God's will in our life and purpose. And let's fulfill it. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's Mom Beerman saying, let's do it.